We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, America, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. This is usually the Talking Yang version with me, Chris Liss, and my co-host Jeff Erickson. But Jeff Erickson was busy doing what? Playing uh, fantasy baseball, watching prospects uh, at the uh, First Pitch Arizona. So we've... Got a big upgrade over Jeff Erickson in Jim Coventry coming on to join me here. What's going on, Jim? How you doing? Uh, things are well. It was a fun week six and just looking to get into that middle of the season grind time. Yep, we are starting to get there. And uh, one note, want to thank Yahoo Sports for uh, sponsoring this podcast. Appreciate Yahoo doing that. And uh, yeah, so uh, let's just start with some of the bigger uh, things that happened this week, Jim. Uh, the Texans go in, beat the Chiefs, shut down Pat Mahomes and that offense, even with Tyreek Hill back in the second half. I know you and I talked a little bit about this on the XM show, but how did that happen? How, how did the Texans, who defense is all right, but how do they go on the road and shut down the Chiefs entirely in the second half? So the Chiefs were without both offensive tackles, and it always goes underreported because even on TV, they never talk about this stuff. But so Mahomes is on a gimpy ankle. He's got that high ankle sprain. You can tell he's not mobile. And, and one thing that the Texans can do is they can bring heat with their front four. And so as they did that, Mahomes trying to buy in time, well, he doesn't have time. 
And so it became problematic. And the two things that Reed could have done, screen passes to the running backs, Kelsey short over the middle, he really didn't utilize that as a heavy part of the game plan. I think that's where they went south in their um, planning of this game. Yeah, Kelsey's been pretty quiet the last several weeks. And you'd think, you know, with Hill out until this past week, and Sammy Watkins has been out a couple of weeks, why hasn't Kelsey gotten major volume? Very much a mystery. It's almost like Mahomes has this rocket arm and Reed wants to keep showcasing, it seems, because regardless who's in, whether it's Pringle, whether it's Demarcus Robinson, uh, Nicole Hardman, they just seem to be launching the ball downfield. And I think they're losing their identity of being a well-rounded offense that can attack on all three levels. And they're just seem so concerned about attacking people vertically. Right. It was like amazing to see them just destroy the Ravens vertically in the first half. And the couple of those were even called back, the one to me, Cole Hardman. And you're like, dude, they just throw like 40, 50 yard passes all day long. This is amazing. But you're right. Teams eventually are just going to say, okay, I guess we're going to put everybody back and guard this. And then you got to make them pay and take advantage of that and, you know, get eight yard, nine yard gains consistently over the middle, easy running plays. And then they've got to bring the safeties back up and then you make them pay over the top. You can't just ever do one thing in the NFL, right? I mean, it doesn't teams adapt. You have to keep them off balance. It's like pitchers and hitters in baseball. You can't just throw the fastball. Even if you throw 102 miles an hour, you can't throw the fastball every single pitch. You got to mix it up. And it seems yeah, like really the cheap. Go ahead. Sorry. Ted Williams said he could time an airplane, the baseball player. And, you know, he's right. Like you said, 102 miles an hour. So what? You know what's coming? You're going to hit it. Yeah, and the Chiefs seem to just have one speed. And, and it's just, it's so, it should be so easy. I guess with the injured offensive lineman, it's, um, it's, it's a little more tricky. But just some of those screens and change of direction plays where they, you know, fake one way and toss a screen to the other side. The Chiefs just, just get, like, such easy plays. And I talked about this with Scott Pianowski on the XM show at one point where it seemed like the good offenses, the Rams don't look very good right now. The chiefs and even sometimes the Patriots when they're rolling, they would just get these like throws into the flat where it's like a six yard throw, but the defense is so off balance that the guy is, there's no one within 20 yards of him and he gets 16 yards before he's touched. And you're like, it's, it's so easy for this team to move the ball. They're getting all these designed plays that just get huge chunk yardage. Whereas you look at like the Baker Mayfield Browns and it's like a, every first down is a miracle. It's like a throw into a tight window that could get tipped and picked. You know, the, the receiver has to make an amazing catch just to get a 13 yard gain. And the contrast between the well-designed offenses and the poorly designed offenses and the Chiefs, one of the most well-designed in the entire league. And we're just not seeing that the last three games. One last point, if I may. So football is becoming what baseball has the last four years, where they're almost going to the home run as opposed to going to the singles approach. And if you notice, teams are going for the big play. Many teams are unwilling to try to design a 12 to 14 play drive, matriculate the ball down the field. They want that big explosive play. And that's what baseball has become. And we, I think we see a number of teams that are failing on offense because that boom bust approach that doesn't have long-term success especially especially if you can't protect the passer well i always thought the teams didn't throw down the field enough that they were all dink and dunk that the nfl had thrown to running back so much to slot receivers they weren't taking shots you know the star receivers instead of being um 
instead of being Andre Johnson, Calvin Johnson, Randy Moss, Terrell Owens, the star receivers were like Michael Thomas, Keenan Allen, Devontae Adams, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, these, you know, 15 yard out guys with no long speed and all the real game breakers, you know, th- those guys weren't as big of a deal anymore. And so it was refreshing to me to see, you know, Terry McLaurin come in and take the top off the defense and Deshaun Jackson, his first game with the Eagles, get two long touchdowns and Mike Evans have some long bombs. And I'm thinking, this is fun again. But I, and I, and maybe more teams are doing that now, but then they have to, you know, you got to play with what's defended, right? I mean, if they're, if they're putting the safeties back and making it hard to get the ball down the field, then, then take the underneath stuff. As soon as you make them guard the underneath stuff, then take the shot down the field. I just think it's the one dimensionality that's hurting these offenses more than, you know, trying to go for the home run. No, you're right. And the analytics approach proves you right. It's that when the defense is heavy, you go counter to that. You throw, and when the defense is light, you run. I mean, very basic analytics data, and a lot of teams just seem to be buying it a little bit, but then when push comes to shove, they ignore it at the wrong times. Yeah, it's weird, though. You think it's so obvious, right? Like, the thing, oh, this works for us. Let's keep doing it. Well, no, this works for us with this defense. Now the defense has changed. Let's switch, but... Teams have a hard time going away from what works until it fails for like three games. And I'm interested to see what the Chiefs do this week. I'm interested to see what the Rams do this week, you know, whether they're going to switch it up and you're going to see a different scheme because it's just not working. Uh, A couple other big stories. Uh, Sam Darnold comes back and looks pretty good. The 91-yard touchdown to 92-yard touchdown to Robbie Anderson was thrown perfectly. And I'm a Jets hater. I was glad the Giants took Barkley. And I'm rude against Darnold, but I have to say Darnold looks like he could be a player. Like this, this is you know, if you're a Jets fan, you, there's some reason for hope. And I hate saying that, but it's true. Now, props to Darnold on the pass. The TV copy just barely had it in the bottom of the frame. The cornerback stumbled, and so. Okay. Anderson got a bunch of separation, and then the safety saw it coming. And by the time the safety got over, Anderson had already received the pass with about six to seven yards of separation on the corner. So again, hats off to him, great play. But the stumbling cornerback was really the critical component on that play. Um, otherwise, the safety may have been able to stay back at a different angle, and it may have just been a twenty-yard gain at tops. But regardless, give him credit, big play. Yeah, right. And it's also, you know, you don't want to get too excited by one play or one throw because, come on, man, we've all played pickup football. I've made a perfect throw many times. I've made a 30-yard perfect throw, dropped it right in. Can I do that more than once in a row? No. Uh, You know, these are pros. These guys can make perfect throws from any angle, any one play. They can make incredible plays. It's consistency, right? It's reading the defense. It's making good decisions. It's consistent accuracy. Uh, what happens when you're under pressure, what happens when conditions break down a little bit. That's what you have to see. So, yeah, we don't want to get too excited on one play. But, you know, the Cowboys have a pretty good defense, and Darnold looked up to the task. You know, at least he showed a spark. You know, a lot of times these guys come in, the Josh Rosens, um, or, um, you know, a guy comes in and you're like, this guy's showing nothing. You know, he's, he's been you know, here for long enough, and he's shown absolutely nothing, and that's when you get worried. Absolutely. Um, one last thing. I give the Jets also credit. That touchdown pass came after Dallas tried on a fourth down right inside the, right. the tent line to convert. And then they came back and went right for the throat. That is cool play calling. Yeah, it was good, good play calling by Adam Gaze. 
The NFL season's in full swing at Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports. There's a million reasons to enter the free Yahoo Cup on Daily Fantasy, and they're all dollars. That's right, Yahoo Cup is free to enter, and there's a perfect lineup to win you a million dollars every week of the football season. It's it's as easy as entering the contest and picking your players. If you're over 18 and a United States citizen, there's no reason why you shouldn't take your shot. Yahoo Daily Fantasy Football has new contests every week with guaranteed cash prizes. Even if you don't score a perfect lineup, you can still walk away from the game with a little cash. Choose Yahoo Daily Fantasy today. Get started now at yahoo.com slash daily fantasy. All right, a couple more things that struck me as kind of interesting. Matt Bryan, I mean, Matt Bryan blew the PAT, uh, and I'm, that's why he's stuck in my head. But Matt Ryan uh, went 30 for 36, had like 10, 11 yards per attempt, had four touchdowns, no picks, and the Falcons still lost the game. I mean, this is just, you never see a guy, I think it was Pianowski tweeted about this. I don't know whether it was the, the quarterback rating or the completion percentage or whatever, but have that kind of a day on that many attempts and that many yards, no mistakes, and his team still loses. Yeah, the one thing that if you look at the box score at halftime of almost every Falcons game, you look at the first half numbers, man, Ryan's a bum. And then they're getting smoked because their defense can't stop anybody. And then they're forced to go into panic mode, scramble mode. And all of a sudden comes out with these dynamic numbers because A, he has the weapons and B, the play calling kind of has to go out the window from the first half. And um, But he has been the garbage time king just about every week of the season. Yeah, he's on pace for 688 passing attempts right now, which would be third all time. So he's wow. he's a good fantasy quarterback. You're, if you're drafting today, Jim, where do you rank Austin Hooper among tight ends? All right. It's very difficult to put him outside of the top three and moving Ertz down to number four. I can't put him ahead of Kittle because I know that Kittle is starting to pick things up and I know the dynamic athlete that Kittle is. And obviously Kelsey has a crazy floor. Um, I put him at number three. I don't hesitate. Last year, we saw a bit of a breakout from Hooper, and he put up good numbers, and I believe it was top eight, which usually a tight end, you're like, big deal. But they were impressive numbers, and he's built on that, and there's no defense that will ever be able to focus on Austin Hooper with the other weapons they have. What about you? I would put him at three also, exactly where you have him. you got to put Kittle and Kelsey ahead of him because – uh, those teams throw to them a lot and they're they're so good i don't know if hooper's as good as those two guys but he's solid and they use him and the garbage time is you know it's there every week now this is a game against the cardinals who've been killed by tight ends so mm-hmm. it's not get that excited but it's, he's been doing it every week and who cares the other teams don't care if they're up three touchdowns what do they care if hooper gets a touchdown in the fourth quarter so you know right. they're playing a prevent d against them we talked about this on the xm show also but what do you think of kyler murray in, the, in this game so I I really think that without having legitimate weapons and you um, filled in the gaps good as in Larry Fitzgerald, Fitzgerald is obviously not a great player anymore. Um, he does a lot of things well. And aside from him, they really have nobody to throw the ball to. David Johnson's getting eight targets in many games, give or take, as a running back. But Murray doesn't have protection. Um, they're trying to throw some verticals, and they have to back off of that because of the weaponry. So it's very hard to gauge his progress as a quarterback until he has a little bit of stability around him right it's a high it's a high-paced offense they have a bad defense though patrick peterson is coming back this week should help so he's slinging it a lot he can run the fantasy stats are decent they've been better the last few weeks but it's really hard to evaluate him i agree like in a real life basis because 
We just don't really know what would happen if he had good receivers. And Christian Kirk might be good. We don't really know, and he's been hurt. So it's you know forty year old Larry Fitzgerald and, and a running back, and it's just not sufficient in, in the modern NFL for a quarterback. Already knocked out of your survivor pool? Do you end up losing early in the season, feeling like your success is mostly based on luck? Wish there were some alternative where you can use your actual fantasy sports knowledge as opposed to relying on whether a team wins or loses? Well, now there is. World Fantasy Pools brings you the first-of-its-kind game type. Stats-based survivor pools. World Fantasy Pools takes the traditional concept of survivor pools that players are familiar with and adds in a more exciting twist. Instead of choosing a team to win a game, use your fantasy knowledge to choose an athlete to achieve a designated stat line. Achieve the stat line and you advance. Fail to and you will be eliminated. Be the last to survive or make it through all rounds to win or split the prize pool. Just choose one athlete each round to achieve a designated stat line to advance and win. It's that simple. Sign up and play today at www.worldfantasypools.com. All right, Jim. Um, let's talk Rams. The Niners just absolutely ran them over in their building. And the Niners played Monday night against the Browns. They had six days of rest. The Rams had played Thursday night, 10 days of rest at home, completely prepared. You know, they have tons of time. McVay is supposedly this genius. And they get their asses destroyed. I mean, you know, Garoppolo had a pick in the end zone and a fumble. This, this score, which was 20-7 to 7 or whatever, the game wasn't even that close. No, not close at all. And um, I know we talked in the offseason, I believe on this very podcast, about the Rams coming into the season and that their biggest success in the McVay era is that their outside run, outside zone run was nearly unstoppable. And then the play action, the route combinations that base off of that opened everything up. And it was a nearly impossible offense to stop. Now, they were running 11 personnel, which means three receivers on 97 percent of of their snaps until. Cooper Cup went down late in the season. So my point is this, though. Vic Fangio had solved that defense when the Bears played them, and people are like, okay, one game, and then the Super Bowl comes around, and Belichick employs much of the same strategy. So the way they did that was the, the, the defensive ends play further out wide, and it forces the outside zone run inside. Now we couple this in the current that the Rams lost some personnel on their interior line. The secondary part though, of solving the system was you give the receivers a quick jam to break the timing of those routes. So I believe coming into the season that that offense was exposed, that defenses would attack that, and we've seen that. I said that we would see if he's a genius. You can come up with a plan once that works, but the genius has the counterpunch for once it's solved. And I believe that the 49ers had the pass rush, and they had the, the components, and they did exactly what the blueprint calls for. Yeah, they definitely did. And so does McVay solve this? How do you solve this? What's the solution? Gerald Everett didn't do much. He was wide open, by the way, in garbage time, and Goff just missed him for what should have been a touchdown. It's kind of annoying because I had him going in a league. He looked really good against the Browns, not against the Browns, against the against somebody a couple weeks against the Seahawks a couple weeks ago. He was amazing. So they've got this new weapon at the tight end. Higby, I think, is a decent blocker. They gave him money. I hope he's a decent blocker because he's not a great receiver. Can they use two tight ends? Can they mix it up? Can they get Daryl Henderson involved as a Camara type? You know, they never, they always just had Gurley as the lone back and the three receivers. 
but can they go two tight ends? Can they use a back that's more of a natural receiver out of the backfield? I know Gurley was a good receiver also, but a lot of that was schemed for him. Um, can they switch it up? Can they do what Sean Payton and the Saints do? That you know, no one's really solved the Saints. The Saints have been doing this for ten years, and they've you know their offense has stayed successful. Right. So I did believe all along that one of the solutions was going to 12 personnel, which is two tight ends on the field. And we did see the previous two weeks of this week that Gerald Everett finally saw um, routes run in the 30s as opposed to in the teens. So they had made a little uptick there. But I still think the big problem is Jared Goff, when he's under pressure, he cannot make accurate throws. Flashback to the Super Bowl when he had that wide open touchdown pass. I believe it was Brandon Cooks. If I'm not, there was a, I'm going to get the guy wrong wide open downfield but a little bit of pressure and he underthrew the pass and same thing with gerald everett he felt a little bit of pressure coming down on him and he misses a wide open everett because he can't handle pressure so i think that's part of their problem you smartly referenced the saints but they had drew Brees, and so Brees was able to do what he needs to do regardless of pressure or not but they if they don't solve the quarterback problem which they're not gonna well, do with the money they did the opposite of solving it they 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 right. embedded it. They they entangled themselves yeah. to him. They they now they can't solve it. They have to solve it with Goff because they put so much money into his contract and a lot of it's guaranteed. Yes. And as I mentioned earlier, the interior of their offensive line went through a lot of change in the offseason and they are not nearly the same unit. So now if you can't run the outside zone because defenses have taken that away, now your counterpunch there is to run inside. But that has now become the weakest part of your offensive line. And your running backs are probably not even best tailored for that because their running back personnel fits fit best with the outside zone. So they are in a quagmire here. I don't know that the personnel can fit the counterpunch that they may need to make. It's problematic for them. I mean, I just looked at this. I just looked this up. So Goff got uh, a four-year extension that brings six seasons, 134 million, but the deal includes an NFL record guaranteed 110 million. So they're locked into 110 million with whatever the cap implications are for that to Goff. They are not getting rid of Goff for at least a couple of years, even if he's terrible. So this is a real problem. And, you know, I've talked about this in general a bunch of times that quarterback's not as important as it used to be. You just need a guy who is surrounded by a good system, a good offensive line, good play calling, good weapons, and you'll be fine. Jacoby Brissett, just fine. The Colts are good. You know, you look at Kyle Allen, just fine. Everything's fine with Cam Newton now. It's no big deal. System is good. Playmakers are good. Defense is good. Offensive line is pretty good. No problem. But the where you need a quarterback, where the quarterback matters, where Russell Wilson and Pat Mahomes on a gimby ankle doesn't seem to be up to it, but Russell Wilson and Pete Aaron Rodgers, and you mentioned Drew Brees, is when things don't go well. That's when the quarterback matters, right? Anybody, Nick Foles can go light up the Patriots in the Super Bowl when you got a great offensive line, great play calling, very smart system. Nick Foles is good enough to win a Super Bowl. But it's when things go wrong that you need the quarterback. And what you're saying is the Rams' offensive line is not as good. The defenses have solved them. Their personnel isn't really up to the task. Uh Uh-oh, things aren't going well. Conditions got (laughs) adverse. And now you've got a QB who's nothing special. He's just a guy. And now there's major problems here. If you have Russell Wilson, okay, you figure it out. No big deal. But this is a big deal. 
And like you said, that money investment that they're paying a franchise quarterback money. And they're also paying Gurley a ton of money. And we played up to last week, but we know he's not the version of himself that he was. And so even from a stylistic standpoint to, to solve their offensive line issues, they can't even sink money into their offensive line because they've got so much buried in two players that are either declining and or bad. Do the Rams make the playoffs this year? No, the Rams do not make the playoffs this year. Yeah, you got you got San Francisco and Seattle in the division. First off, so those are those are uh, two more tough games, and you've got to you know if you don't win the division, you got to get a wild card. And if both those teams are in, then there's only one. You know, there's there's only a couple left. The someone's got to win the NFC East because <laughs> the, the, you know those, those two teams are three and three. And the, by the way, you want to hear some crazy? The Giants are two and four. They're a total joke. Wasted two games with Eli Manning. They're two and four. The Eagles play the Cowboys this week. One of them is going to be three and four. The Giants get the Cardinals at home this week. They may be three and four also. You know, the Giants are still in the in the race. It's, it sounds insane, but if Danny Dimes with Barkley and those guys come back, maybe they can win it at you know nine and seven. I still think the Eagles and Cowboys are good, and I think one of them will go ten and six and win that division. But you know, maybe even eleven and five if they get hot. But uh, but it is crazy that it's in play. The Cowboys need to address their defense. They have all this talent, and teams are just marching the ball on them when they need to. Don't understand what they're doing. They did get the new offensive coordinator, but I don't know that the system matches that personnel because they should be making life miserable for opposing offenses. It's not happening. Yeah, they played some soft teams. You know, a lot of teams like the Ravens and the Cowboys had a soft schedule early, and people overrated them, and they started having to play decent teams, and then you, they got exposed a little bit. I mean, Jason Garrett is... I'm surprised people even apply to Princeton anymore after that, dude. You know, you're like, oh, this is what this is what you get out of a Princeton education? No, thank you. Uh, I'll, you know, I'll go to uh, a different school. No, thanks. Um, the, I mean, he just, I just don't think he's up to the task. He, I mean, they, I think they can still make the playoffs. They, they need Cooper healthy. They need Tyron Smith back. I think that's huge. I think he's, you know, he's probably he's one of the top few left tackles in the NFL. And you take away an elite left tackle. I mean, left tackles get paid because they get paid, you know, besides quarterbacks, that's one of the most expensive positions. And that's because that, that's reflective of how important they are to the offense. So, I, you know, they need him back and Cooper healthy, and the offense is good again. It's, it's just not the same without Cooper stretching the defenses and, and uh, Tyron Smith protecting Dak. No, and Lyle Collins, the right tackle, was out. So they were without both. And I normally won't change a point spread pick midweek or late week, I should say. But when I knew both of those guys were out, I took the Jets plus the points. I wasn't even—I didn't even blink on that one. Yeah, too. And and the other and what's the other time? Lyle, uh, what's his last Lyle name? Collins, yeah. Collins, he's Lyle like Collins, a Pro Bowl yeah. level guard, also correct. He, he's like almost. Exactly. He may not be as valuable as a tackle, but he's—you know—you got two key guys on that side of the line. Um, all right. Uh, couple other things so Steelers Chargers terrible game and Philip Rivers just chucking it all over the place uh, but too little too late I think it's a uh, we talked a little bit about this on the XM show also but I think it's time to buy low on Smith Schuster I think he could be had cheaply you know you can't usually buy you know DeAndre Hopkins cheap you probably can't get Julio Jones cheap maybe you can get Keenan Allen at a slight discount but I think Juju Smith Schuster since he's never really He's never been the only guy in his team. We, you and I debated this. 
um, that he will go for more of a discount. Like a, a Juju Smith-Schuster owner with the backup quarterback, people are a little more dicey. It's not just that he's never been the only guy there, but he's also playing with a new quarterback, whereas Keenan Allen, DeAndre Hopkins, everything's the same for them. So I, uh, I think he, you can get him low, and I think Rudolph... I wasn't especially impressed with Rudolph, but I, I felt like he was competent enough to support a number one receiver. My issue with Rudolph was, and I know I tweeted this during the game he had played, not obviously he didn't play this week, but a week prior, and I said they were terrified to let him throw the ball more than 15 yards downfield. There was one time late in the game he did throw one, but until then you could tell they had no part. All the routes that were being run were all underneath routes. He was throwing swing passes. They had no interest in a downfield attack. So if Smith-Schuster is going to make um, the progress that you're expecting he might, it's going to be predicated on run after the catch, which we know he can do. But defenses, after seeing film on this, they are going to be moving players up. They're not going to be worried about deep safeties. They're going to be worried more about compressing the field and making Rudolph beat him on these short dink and dunk passes. So that would be Smith Schuster's path to success. And if the defense is compressed, then if he does get a seam and breaks through, yes, he can make big plays off of that. So that's what I think you'll be banking for. Um, would you agree with that? Yeah. I don't think he's going to get a lot of deep throws. He's also, I mean, we talked about this too. His time speed is not great. Uh, I think he plays faster than that, but he's still not a burner. You know, he's not your deep threat. I think he could function as like the Devonte Adams of the, of the Steelers or the Michael Thomas of the Steelers, you know, of Keenan Allen of the Steelers, a guy who's not really a, a game breaker. He'll make a couple, you know, run after the catch plays, but it's mostly going to be in the short and intermediate area of the field. He's going to line up all over. He's going to line up in the slot. They're going to move him around. They're going to get him the ball. And he's really good. He's a really good receiver, and he's 6'1", 215. He's really physical. I think they'll get him the ball. Mason Rudolph's a little bit of a stiff. Like, he's not very mobile, 6'5", 235. And, yeah, he just looks like just a guy out there. The negative comp I kind of think of is like Brock Osweiler when he took over for the Broncos. It's kind of like that, but uh, but you know, but like okay, like good enough to uh, support you know one good receiver. He's going to have an easy job because the Steelers' defense is pretty good. The running game is good, and he's not going to have to. He's not going to be expected to make a whole lot of plays, but I, I do think Smith Schuster is going to get a ton of targets once they get Rudolph back under center. So that'd be the case. That's definitely the case in which you'd want to buy him for sure. Yeah, I would. I would take a shot at it, uh, and 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 obviously it depends. You know, some people might agree and they might not sell him, but I think he's a guy that probably could be had a little bit more cheaply. Um, let's talk about the Forty ers They're on the other side of that Rams crush. Is it less impressive now that we're talking about all the flaws of the Rams? Like you would think, going into Los Angeles with ten days to prepare and crushing them. That would put the Niners up there with the Patriots. That would make them, they're undefeated, they're destroying everybody, and they just beat the Rams, a solid team on the road. Or is it not worth as much as that because the Rams aren't that solid? What's your view? So, yeah, I do think that there's an element of that, that the Rams' mystique carries more in terms of like... um, maybe subliminally, but I think, no, the 49ers, it was a good win, but I don't think it was a great win now. I think it has diminished a bit. I think the Rams are really on the downslope until they figure things out. What I did think was interesting about the 49ers in a negative way was 
they didn't run the ball down their throats. Now they were missing, just like I mentioned with um, the Chiefs, they were down both offensive tackles. Mike McGlinchey's out an extended period of time. Joe Staley was out on the other side. Also, the loss of Kyle Juszczyk, a fullback. These are big losses. And when we end up looking at the numbers on this game, Tevin Coleman ran for two and a half yards to carry, and Matt Breida ran for exactly three. Um, this was not the big 49ers run game. The loss of those three players can become problematic. And if that becomes a recurring theme and Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be in bad down and distance situations, it's going to become a big problem because he is going to find himself having to make throws. He is going to be best served when the offense is and the running game is churning along. So, you know, the 49ers had plenty of chances to completely put them away, but the Rams stayed close enough because the 49ers were not scoring points. And the Rams came into this, you know, Clay Matthews, he's been a good pass rusher in this last couple of games with the broken job. Aqib Talib was out in this one, and we know that that Rams defense is significantly worse across the board. And so, yes, impressive win, but they really should have buried them, and they didn't. Yeah, but so on the road, short rest against a well-rested team and missing those offensive linemen. I, mean, I thought maybe the Rams would win, and it wouldn't mean much because the Niners were sort of down a couple of guys, you know, Joe Staley and McGlinchey. I mean, these are their two best guys, and they just lost McGlinchey, so they haven't had a chance to really, re- you know, they had half a week to replace him So right. off, the, off the Monday night game. Uh, and you're right, it did affect their run game, which is to be expected, but... Man, pretty impressive that they were able to crush them with a bad offensive line. You got Aaron Donald on the other side, and you're missing key offensive yes. linemen, and you still win. Um, Garoppolo, just a guy or above average? Where, where do you rate him? Just a guy. I, I know that brief sample the, the year before he tore the ACL, uh, he caught people off guard and played well. But since that time, we have not seen a quarterback who makes consistent throws and he does not make good throws under pressure. And so this will become problematic. Um, but like you said, big win for the 49ers. Their defense, this defense, despite the Rams being solved, the pass rush is very real. And we know that when teams have a great front seven, it can bring a pass rush all of a sudden your corners look very good. I mean, think back to the Bears of last year. The corners were considered average at best. And now all of a sudden when the quarterback's under pressure, now the corners only cover for a couple seconds and now they're they're dynamic. So I think the 49ers defense is the thing to take out of this game, even though the Rams were exposed offensively. You know, the initials Jared Goff and Jimmy Garoppolo and Justin Guy are all, all the same. You know? so, I don't know if they have is the middle initial. <laughs> Never heard that. I love that. Yeah, Jeff George too. Remember Jeff George? <laughs> I sure do. Sure do. I'm trying to think if there's a good JG in NFL history at quarterback. I'm not sure if I can think of one. Yeah. No. All right. Yeah. Well, you would come up with it by the end of the podcast. Jason Garrett was Jason Garrett is JG, and he was a quarterback. Yeah. There you go. Just a guy. <laughs> that worse than just a guy as a coach. <laughs> Maybe he's just yes. a guy as a quarterback. <laughs> All right. Your fantasy winnings are going to need a game plan. You can put them to work on Stash, and you get an extra $5 to start investing. More than 3 million Americans invest, bank, and save with Stash. All on one easy-to-use app on Stash, you can buy pieces of stocks and funds 
just $5 at a time. Unlike some other micro-investing apps, you get to build your own portfolio. Your stash also includes a smarter, simpler bank account that actually works with your investment account and can help you save and spend smarter. Want to plan for a better financial future? Stash also offers retirement accounts and investing accounts for kids. Stash can even help teach you how to save and invest confidently with simple guides, articles, challenges, and personalized guidance. Stash is a financial home for all your money needs, and they'll even give you $5 to invest if you join today. Stash, one app, unlimited opportunity, investment advisory services offered by Stash Investments, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor, debit account services provided by Green Dot Bank, member FDIC. All right, uh, just a couple final thoughts before you and I uh, sign off. You know, this week, Denver is is hosting the Chiefs. I think it's on Thursday night. I think that's the Thursday night game. Correct, correct. And I was trying to make the line for that. I mean, don't tell me what it actually is, because I, first I guess and sort of like get it where, where I think it should be. And I did a different exercise last week, because I had been doing terribly against the spread. So I made an early line before last week's games, and I made it Chiefs minus four. And now, my preliminary line for this week, don't tell me what it really is because I'll find out tomorrow, uh, but is zero, is a pick em. Chiefs at Broncos. What are your thoughts? I mean, the Chiefs were like, two weeks ago, this is a juggernaut. This is, you know, it's the Chiefs and Patriots and the AFC and nobody else is close. And now, they're going into Denver that was a doormat they were owned for, and I'm thinking, man, this is not the place to get well for Pat Mahomes. No, definitely not. And I have not looked at the lines either. Um, but I would think that the mis- still the mystique of the Chiefs is there enough and the public opinion of Denver is still low enough that I think they would get way too much action on the Chiefs if they put that line out as a pick. So yeah. my guess... No, no, I'm not guessing. My, I guess it'll be minus three. That's my guess that it would yes, be. Perfect. But, perfect. But I made my line a pick. Yes. <laughs> or my preliminary. In other words, like... I'm saying where it would be very hard for me to choose would be around a pick of maybe Chiefs minus two or something. But if it's the full three in Denver, it's, it's a tough place for them to get well. Right, because Kansas City, 5.3 yards a carry before yesterday. I haven't factored that in yesterday, although they probably didn't get helped a lot because Hyde ran down their throats. And now they're going to get Philip Lindsay and, to a degree, Royce Freeman. And so, yeah, I mean, what's Denver's philosophy going to be? Yeah, you guessed it. Run the ball and, you know, make them stop it. And can they? Probably not, right? Right, and so I think they're going to move the ball. And then the Chiefs, you know, they can strike quickly. But in Denver against that improving defense – in the mile high, in the altitude on a short week, really, you know, with Mahomes still gimpy and the offensive line banged up, they're really going to be able to just smoothly run the offense like it was the first three weeks. And I don't know. That seems like a, that seems like a long shot. Like, I, I think we're going to see more of what we saw against the Colts, we saw against the Lions, and what we saw last week against the Texans. It just seems like the Chiefs suddenly springing back to life um, just seems unlikely in, in these circumstances. Yeah, and I do believe I saw a play where I thought Mahomes tweaked his ankle again where he had um, some wash kind of fall on him. Um, And if that's the case, it's many less days to get that tweaked ankle, you know, back to where it would be, you know, after the full week off. And so, yeah, he may be even more limited. Now, if that's the case, though, it may force Andy Reid, don't know how stubborn he is, but it may be like, okay, now we do have to throw short. And if he's forced into making that move to what Reid has always done well, you know, the screen game and, you know, throwing the tight ends, if he can be forced to that, now maybe they'll accidentally pluck back in of being you know a better offense but that's a stretch that's really a you know a narrative yeah it's uh 
it, it's crazy. Um, I, I just it, it's going to be an interesting game for sure. It's going to be one that I'm looking forward to just to see the contrasting styles and where we're at. All right, Jim. Well, I appreciate your joining me on this. Normally, it's Jeff, uh, and a uh, nice uh, little change of pace. And let people know where they can find you on Twitter, Jim, if they are interested in more of your football insights. Yes, I'm at Jim Coventry NFL. Jim at Jim Co- Coventry. Jim Coventry NFL. One word on Twitter. Follow Jim. Check out his stuff. All right, man. I appreciate it. Um, All right. All right. Yep, and uh, the NFL pod will obviously be back tomorrow with other people hosting it, and Jeff and I will be back next Monday. I want once again to thank Yahoo Sports for sponsoring this podcast along with our other sponsors, and appreciate everybody for listening. Take care. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash blue wire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.